It is August 20th, 2019. This is episode 9 of Richard Tell Talk. This is part 3 of our Seafair special, our last edition for our Seafair special. And in today's episode, I talk with Jim Bakke, a longtime friend of myself and my father. He was a crew member for the Graham Trucking Racing Team with an impressive resume of crewing for over 30 years in the sport of hydroplane racing. Seafair was very special, and I'm glad I got to talk with him because this was his last race as a crew member. Fortunate for him and the team, they were able to win on Sunday. And he was able to go out on top with one last victory. I also got a chance to talk with Jimmy Gilbert, another longtime friend of myself and my father. And he's also been a longtime crew member who's had the opportunity to work for many great teams, owners, and drivers, and currently crews for the Home Street Racing Team. Before this, he had a very long career as a rocket scientist. Yes, that's right, a rocket scientist, now turned hydroplane crew member. And Jimmy is able to give a great talk on the technical side of the sport, as well as answer a few fan questions. So sit back, relax, and welcome to Rooster Tail Talk. All right, it's Friday afternoon, qualifying's finished here at Seafair, and I'm talking to longtime crew member uh, Jim Bakke. Jim, how are you doing today? Good, very, very good. Good day. I understand this is your final race as a crew member. Yep. Is that yep. true? Yep, very true. Well, can you tell us about your history of crewing with hydroplanes, which teams you've worked for, uh, when it all started, and maybe how it started, too? I uh, started with Uncle Al and Jerry, Jerry Hop, uh, kind of just helping them out, and then uh, turned into a, uh, a full-time job with Winston Eagle, uh, with Lacero and those guys. It was a great fit, and then I hooked up with the T-plus guys and I think I spent uh, approximately five years with them and brought in the, the two wing design which was uh, really really cool uh, and then I uh, left them and went to uh, Ken Muscatel where uh, Roger Newton your dad was crew chief and we had a lot of fun that was a lot of fun then uh, uh, Mike Weber and uh, uh, Ted Porter uh, got together and bought the Budweiser stuff, and they asked me to come over. And uh, I've been here since then. I think that was in, that's been about 12 years. It was about 2005 or 2006 yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, uh, I know you worked for many years with my dad and yep. Ken's team. Did, did you work on the Winston team with him as well? I think it was only no, 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 no. I was, I, that was a couple years apart. They were, I think they were building a lobster boat at that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, uh, by that time, I was, uh, by that time, the lobster boat was, I think she'll just sitting in the shop. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you've so you've worked with many teams, drivers, owners, crew chiefs. Uh, tell me, what was your favorite owner to work for? Oh, I would say Ted Porter. Uh, he took care of us. He, uh, you know, and, and then Ken also did a very good job um, of taking care of us and our travel and all that good stuff and yeah. made sure that we were well taken care of and... If we needed uh, Ted, Ted's great because he wanted to help the sport as well as uh, our team. So he was here for the sport and the team. So, yeah, yeah. so. Well, those days on Ken's team, they were fun. I, oh, yeah. I, I remember a few of those years. Yeah. Uh, how about favorite driver to be crewing oh. for? Well, it's Mike and Jimmy, I would say. Yeah. Mike and Jimmy. Uh, they're uh, one, 1A, 1B, one day. 1A, 1B for the other, you know, they're both yeah. marvelous. 
Uh, Corey Peabody is going to be right up there with him once he gets uh, in a boat that goes quick, and Corey's going to be real good. And then Andrew is going to be Andrew. He's going to be a great driver. And so I think that's your your guys that are really going to bring this sport forward. Yeah. Well, so he worked for some some pretty fantastic drivers. Yeah. And this this field we have now today, it's uh, oh god, it's a very talented yeah. field. Yeah. Um, well, how about crew chiefs? Uh, what, who's your favorite crew chief to work for? Uh, Tom. Uh, he, Tom Anderson. Anderson. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's, yeah. Tom was good. Your dad was good. Yeah. Your dad. <laughs> your dad was fun. <laughs> well, tell me some stories about my father since you're talking about him now. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, there's actually one I want to ask you about. I don't think I've talked to you about it uh, since. Then. I don't, I don't know, know if it was. About. I, well, I think you should. <laughs> I don't know if it was '99, 2000, uh, a long time ago. Regardless, long, long time. I remember him saying that uh, coming back from a race and saying there's a fan club made in his name. Can you share a little bit about that? We were in Havasu and and uh, we took a picture of Raj and coming out of the water. <laughs> and I don't believe he had a shirt on in that. No, he didn't have a shirt on. <laughs> that was the bad part. He had, didn't have a shirt on. So we took that picture and. Chip, Chip from Detroit, Van, Van Epter. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, he, uh, him and I went and we started making questions, and there was questions that was funnier than hell, and it was, what do you, what do you want to be in the Newt fan club? And we got answers, and so what we did is we got this question and we handed it out to everybody. So then, we announced in over the PA speaker, uh, please turn in your Newt fan club uh, applications. So everybody was bringing their applications over to, and we were reading them. And, and he had no idea of this. He had no on. idea. So we got the, the forms, and we could see him coming, and we went running. <laughs> and oh. Peter Thompson, who used to be our inspector, he had the funniest. Uh, he's, uh, why do chicks uh, want to be in the Newt fan club? He says, because chicks dig Raj. <laughs> oh, we, we had so much fun. I, I wish I would have kept him. I don't know what happened to him, but I, I really wish I would have kept that. Well, I have, that I, have, I have one that's yeah. unanswered, so yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I might even post that yeah. to uh, Yeah, I think you should post that. Yeah. That was a, uh, and you just fill it. Yeah, oh, it was just, everybody was filling them out and giving them to us, so yeah. it was pretty good. I just remember him coming back from that race, and, uh, uh, and then he, he told of, me, yeah. all these people are bringing you this, this freaking yeah. paper. I have no yeah. idea what's going on. Yeah, and then, yeah. then he got me back. Yeah. Um, oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Okay. All of a sudden, he took a picture of me in the shop. He said, this is for the website or something like that. I just like, okay. So, couple uh, first race of the year, I can't remember where we started off. And all of a sudden, all these buttons show up. And it was, I know Jim Baki button. <laughs> I looked at him, I said, you're so dead. <laughs> well, I have one of those. Yeah, too. yeah, I know. People have, yeah. I don't have one, and I don't want one. <laughs> All right, all right. So we talked about people you've worked with. Um, that was probably a fun moment for you. Oh yeah. Memory. Uh, do you have any other fun memories around hydroplanes, being around for so many years? Oh, it's just uh, a lot of a lot of good people. Um, this twelve crew, they're good yeah. guys. Um, let me see. Yeah, we had a lot of good. You know, we've had a lot of good memories. Mike Allen and all those guys were um, really, really good. Uh, it was a good group. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Um, these boats came to us from the Budweiser, yeah. and I got to give those guys all the credit in the world because they built a hell of a boat. And I think we're up to 13 wins. I'm not sure of that, but we've had a lot of wins because yeah. of that boat. So, what's well, one one common thing I've asked people about favorite memories of the sport, and it's, it seems to all come back to people. So it's definitely a tight knit yeah. group of people. Yeah. 
All right, well, I have um, some listener questions that they've emailed in and want to know more about the sport and what it takes to crew on a hydroplane. Uh, could you give a little bit of insight on what happens? The boat comes Thursday uh, morning, sometimes afternoon. Boat's here for four days, leaves the pits after a rough final heat on Sunday night. What goes on in between Thursday morning and Sunday evening? Well, basically it's set up, well, it should be set up uh, in the shop. Well, let's say last week we come in. Uh, it's set up uh, with our gear ratios that are set up for uh, uh, this this course. And basically the gearbox is, is changed, of course, from the Tri-Cities because of the, the course length. And we put our gear ratios together. And, and then Tom works his magic with the props. And like last week, he worked his magic and look what happened. Yeah. So. Yeah, he, he did an excellent job of driving that. That was a fun yeah. one to watch. <laughs> Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. All right. Um, what other changes can you take place in the boat? Wing adjustments, uh, adjustments to the engine. What, what else can, can oh, you do wing, on the, on the wing beach? Is, wing is big in our props. Uh, you know, Tom knows what each prop will do, depending on the water, too. Uh, you know, Tom works the, the props and gets, gets that going. As you saw, saw last week, we slowly but surely got better and better and better oh yeah and that's what our whole thing was the, how 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 the gear ratios uh how the the props uh we were working our way up yeah to yeah so so prop and wing are probably the biggest adjustments yeah yeah we can do yeah and basically our skip fin is basically we keep it in the same spot it's it's comfortable it's a great spot for it yeah. uh we don't make too many changes on that you know the running surface we keep the same basically we tried a little bit uh, different stuff in uh, Tri-Cities. It didn't work, so we went back to our, what we knew. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I know one thing that can make a big factor in a lot of racing is humidity, temperature. Uh, what what do you have to take into consideration when setting up a boat when uh, elements are so different and change throughout the day? Yeah, it, it, you can feel the humidity. You can, you can, you know, the the engine actually, you know, can really sometimes comes back really really hot you know like uh it just depends on on the temperature and the humidity but you know i think it comes back hot every time i don't how many burns i get a year (laughs) but you know it's it's hot it's hot yeah okay um another question from a listener is they want to know how or what makes the home street so much faster is it boat weight is there something else what what do you think uh, it's a brand new boat uh we had a brand new boat we'd be right up there but uh, you know that uh, they got a good gear ratios. They, you know, they have a good prop selection. Yeah. Um, you know, Jimmy and Mike are equal in the cockpit. So it's just a matter of, of us getting the position and getting the great start. Yeah. And I think Mike, if he can, if we can get him in in that position, uh, there's, I mean, he's he's great. Oh yeah. Oh, there's no about doubt about it. Last weekend, he had the, the perfect start for that. Is this, uh, speaking about boat weight, is, uh, is this an older hull? Yeah. Uh, it's a T6 hull, so it's about 19 years old. Is it any heavier now, or were you guys oh, yeah, able to yeah. keep the it's, weight down yeah, on it, it? Yeah, it's still pretty light for, for you know, for all the crashes that we've had and, and repairs that we've done to it. It's still, you know, weight-wise, it's still pretty good. In crewing, what's your, your favorite part and the hardest part of being a, a crew member on a hydroplane, would you say? Mm. Hardest part is is just getting frustrated, you know, getting beat one yeah. week. It, it, it's very frustrating. 
uh, you come back harder and faster, and, and hopefully, you know, you you forget about last week and you go forward. Yeah. So that's what you got to. You can't you can't race because you know you lost the week before. You know, so it's yeah. yeah. And but the best part's paycheck, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. add zeros to those yep. things. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and and one of the other things we we've had as a crew. Uh, traveling to Qatar was pretty cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of going to different places, what, what what was your favorite stop on the tour to go to? Uh, Detroit, you know, because of their um, uh, situation of uh, Gold Cup, you yeah. know, it's always uh, our favorite yeah. uh, stop. Madison, you know, because of the fireworks Saturday night. Your dad used to love that. Oh yeah. Um, you know, Tri Cities is big because of the, the course and how fast it is and then we get home and everybody's your best friend when we race here so <laughs> yeah oh yeah and then San Diego's just beautiful All right. so. well I know you've got a lot of years in the sport and I wish you good retirement and I know a lot of people are gonna miss seeing you <laughs> up on the boats all right all right thank you Jim thanks it was so much fun talking with Jim about the old days on the crew with my father and talking about other opportunities he had in crewing for different racing organizations it's sad to see him hang it up, but I'm sure we'll see him around the pits again in some form or another. All right, Seafair Saturday. I'm talking with Jimmy Gilbert, longtime crew member of the Home Street Bank team. Uh, Jimmy, how are things going this weekend? Things are going really great. The boats are rocket, and we've got a little bit of weather out here in the form of waves and wind. But Jimmy Shane seems to be able to do a really great job of getting over the waves and, uh, and flying the boat really well. So the boat is absolutely fast, and we're pretty hopeful of this, uh, the outcome this weekend. Yeah, well, you definitely have a great driver. How has the setup been this weekend? Like, what have you ha tried doing differently? What have you done for setup? Not much. We've uh, gone to a slightly different lower gear ratio than we had at Tri-Cities because it's a shorter course. And, of course, the waves always make for a, uh, an even shorter gearbox simply because you, it, it takes more to plow through the waves and you want to get the acceleration back into the into the boat. Yeah. Consequently, consequently, we did go to a lower gearbox, but other than that, not many changes made to the boat at all. Okay. Well, I know some viewers or listeners out there emailed me asking, uh, what does it take in an uh, average weekend? You come here for Thursday, leave Sunday night. How much work goes into preparing the boat, maintaining the boat, and changing throughout the weekend? Well, not particularly much so much on the weekend as what goes on beforehand. I spent the entire month of May here in Seattle working, getting the boat ready. And of course we have the second boat in the Old Boy Alberta this year, this weekend. Consequently, I spent the month of May and then I came back after a brief graduation ceremony in, in Texas, returned and worked until we went to Gunnersville. So I spent uh, approximately six weeks here out of the, between May and uh, the first race in Gunnersville. Okay, all right. And when you're here at a race site, uh, it's race day, what kind of routine checklist do you have to go through with a process? I know you trailer fire in the mornings and then there's other things you have to do before the boat gets dropped into the water by the crane. Well, my particular area of uh, where I work is has to do with the computer and the electrical system. The main thing I have to do is to, of course, get the batteries set up so that they will be able to fire the boat up, get the computer battery set up, and check out the computer to make sure everything is, is ready to go. Not much is in, usually involved with that until you have a problem, and all of a sudden it's kind of a thrash to get everything together. Tri-Cities, we had a minor problem with the wire coming loose. It caused the computer to completely short out. Oh. in the Alberto boat. I changed the cannon plug and was able to solder it back. I don't like doing that on top of the boat because if solder <laughs> drops on the boat, it makes a real mess, especially on vinyl like the, the Alberto 
coating is this week of this for this particular season. Yeah. But I was able to get that done, and it's so far it's holding. So I, I guess we did okay. All right, that's, that's very good. Well, how long have you been a crew member in the sport? How? Oh gosh, how I started this uh, with a fellow named Roger Newton. He got me involved with this back in 1994 in September. And we were in San Diego, and he said, come on, be on the team. I said, Roger, I don't know anything about these. He says, you'll learn. <laughs> and uh, Roger had a way of, uh, of selling the sport. And, uh, yes, he did. He made me get involved, or had, was instrumental in me getting involved. He didn't make me, but he had yeah. instrumental in get me, getting yeah. me involved. And, uh, of course, he went to Pat Berryman, and Pat Berryman actually was the crew chief that gave me the chance to do this. So uh, thanks to both of them, although sometimes I wonder what kind of thanks that is and what kind of what kind of – Christmas present of this Santa Claus because <laughs> it could be a lot of work. Yeah. Well, my dad would always say he had people thanking him all the time for getting into the sport and also blaming him for getting into Absolutely. the sport. Absolutely. I can so. understand that or you know, threatening <laughs> to shoot him because they got him involved in the sport. Right. It's not ending and, and it never is. The boat is never, ever completely 100% perfect. There's always something you can think of to make it better, but sometimes the situation we've got right now, there's not much I can do to go up there to fix things right okay. at the moment. But come September, at the end of the season, I'll, I've got some plans of things I want to do. That's when your magic happens then. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you've been working on teams since 94. What teams have you gone through and, and worked okay, with? Okay, the first team I was on, of course, was with uh, Roger, and it was on Ken Muscatel's Superior Racing. And then I was briefly on Fred Leland's team oh. for a couple of races, and uh, that didn't work out real well for a number of reasons. Uh, I kind of miss Roger and, and Ken Muscatel and the rest of the team. Yeah. So I went with them, and then... Uh, a new fellow came in, named him Rick, Rick Campbell, Rich Campbell, and he didn't like any of Ken's team, so all of us were fired, except except for Roger. <laughs> and so I was in Madison without a team, and uh, Mike Jones wandered along, and he knew me. He and Pat Berryman knew me, obviously, and said, come on, be on the team. So I was on Jones's team until 2002 when they quit racing. Okay. And then I went with Budweiser for a couple of years. Yeah. And when Budweiser quit racing, I ran into Mike Hanson, he says, you're coming to Madison, and so I've been in Madison ever since. <laughs> all right, all right. What are some uh, more favorable, favorable memories you have of being on the teams? And oh, I absolutely. The, races? the very first thing was that our very first win I was involved with was 2001 Gold Cup in Detroit, and uh, Mike Hansen was driving, and that was just that was phenomenal. Uh, yeah. We came from you know not a favorite position whatsoever. Budweiser hooked on the first turn, and uh, Mike drove away with it and won the race. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a big accomplishment to do against teams that had much more oh, uh, absolutely. Had a, resources. Had a, had a real budget. It, it was a real good budget, and that was that was important. And the second, second thing, I guess, was winning the national championship whenever I was with uh, Madison in 2008. That was that was really a fine moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have a lot of other experience. I know you're a pretty smart guy, and there's some significance this year um, with your day job that you're now retired from, correct? Exactly. Yeah. I was with NASA for 35 years. I was brought into NASA in 1965 as an Apollo person. Jiminy was still flying then, but I was never involved with the Jiminy flights whatsoever. I was, always worked on Apollo, and of course, this last last uh, June, July the 20th, it was the uh, 50th year reunion or 50 year reunion of our anniversary of the Apollo moon landing. So we had a big reunion in Houston of all the uh, ex-flight controllers and, and people that were actually there. Unfortunately, uh, Buzz Aldrin wasn't able to attend, or Mike Collins, but. Uh, Fred Hayes of Apollo 13 fame was there and met, met some of the old guys I hadn't seen in many, many years. They, they, they look quite different than most. Some of them, some of them look the same. Yeah. But it was, it was a great reunion. I had just had a ball. Yeah. A lot of fun, a lot of fun. What, what, uh, can you tell us what types of things you did around the Apollo 
well, uh, missions or sure. Is that it's, all it's real, no, 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 no. There's nothing <laughs> classified about okay. Apollo whatsoever, or any of the any of NASA's missions until okay. they flew a couple of Air Force missions. But I was not involved with mission control at that point. My job during uh, the Apollo era was to build a math model. Uh, I was not the only one. I was several of us, but we built a math model of the vehicle systems and the onboard systems of the uh, Apollo spacecraft. We had a we had a Saturn model. It built it made thrust. It uh, it reacted like it should to the uh, various and sundry inputs of atmospheric pressures and what have you. That would sit on, on top of that sat a math model, not not literally but figuratively, a math model of the command module in which was the onboard computer and it was called the Command Module Computer, CMC. I was involved with the math model for building the CMC. We took the, uh, basically the code that was generated by Draper Labs out of MIT and made a math model of that. And whenever we would hit an input, it would actually telemeter everything. It looked like it was really coming from the, the, the crew itself, or the, the, the Command Module itself. Yeah. It got to be so good, and it's so easy to build faults into things like that. You could throw faults in it, easy to just flip a switch, and all of a sudden the, the computer would be generating all sorts of faults and see how quickly the, the, the uh, flight controllers would respond. The beauty of that was so cheap to run that compared with having a full-up simulator with a crew in it yeah. and all the everything that goes along with that, that. These math models were really great. I remember many a night before the Apollo, any of the Apollo launches, sitting in sitting in our control room, running our data over to a, uh, a controller we were training so he could sit there and watch launches. And we would throw variations at him. We'd throw shear winds that were completely unrealistic. See how well he responded to that, how the vehicle would respond. These vehicles, they, were, they, they, they had the actual code of whatever was you know, controlling the, uh, the computer in that particular vehicle. And it was, those, those math models got to be almost predictive. Yeah. In other words, if you hit through a uh, wind shear that was completely out of kilter, you would see how the vehicle would otherwise respond. And for, for the most part, it followed. It tracked very well. So that was that was my job. And after after the first couple of uh, Apollo flights that I transitioned over, and I was actually involved with the math model that was also for the lunar guidance computer. And that was really interesting. Yeah, well, fantastic. What kind of skills and knowledge have you been able to carry over from NASA, being a rocket scientist and doing all those fun and creative things to your uh, current position here on the crew? Strangely enough, it's data, data, interpretation of data, and of course we get data off the boat. We have a we have a data recorder on there that record approximately 32 channels, and we're looking at about everything if you can think of, from uh, rudder position to uh, engine RPM, high-speed turbine, low-speed turbine on that, fuel flow, canard position. Uh, G's, lateral G's, uh, acceleration G's, vertical G's. And a few years ago, we had an incident where we were going into a turn and uh, another boat was inside of us slightly. And you could see from the data plot of his data that he was sliding out. He was, oh, his wow. G-force went down. In other words, if you go into a turn, you, hold, you should be holding the same G's roughly. And all of a sudden, his G-force were gradually decreasing, meaning he was sliding out, sliding into our lane. And we were the ones that were accused of coming in on him. Our G-forces were steady. Consequently, they came to the conclusion that, yeah, well, guess what? The Alberta was clean, and the other boat was the one that committed the infraction. And the appeal that we had was upheld, and the uh, and the uh, results of the race were overturned. Oh, wow. Wow. So it's... Uh... It's a very important job that you do for the team. Well, it could be sometimes. It's, <laughs> like I say, it's interpretation of data. If you got data, you can do a lot with it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you, do, you take 
in, into account so much more than just the speed and a few other things. There's a lot of a lot of data oh, you take, keep track absolutely. of. Absolutely. Yeah. At one time we were we were uh, Dan Hoover suggested we compute the uh, the uh, atmospheric density and pressure like that and. We pretty soon realized that, well, it's interesting data, but we weren't making much use of it. And it was a, kind of a pain to collect. Yeah. So uh, we had to get current temperature, current bar barometric pressure, as well as current altitude of the, uh, the race site. Mm -hmm. that, that never changed, the race site altitude, but the, the barometric pressure and temperature were constantly changing. I wrote a computer, pro computer program that would actually compute the density, but we never really made use of it. And consequently, after a couple of years, we just kind of dropped that. Sort of the things that make sense and things that don't make sense. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, any, uh, what's your favorite part of being on a crew? Oh, the camaraderie. One? Yeah. Absolutely. The, the team are great. Every team I've been on is great. Yeah. Uh, even the, yeah. even the, probably the, the worst teams I've been on have been great. <laughs> and uh, they're not of them really, really bad. Uh, in all this sport, I've really not met anyone that I really didn't really, really disliked at all. I, everyone I've really enjoyed being around. I learned something from everybody, honestly. Oh, yeah. I learned something from every one of the crew people on the area. They have they have a perspective. They have an interest, and they have a, uh, of course, a passion for the boats. And and and, with the, and and from that formula, you can able you're able to glean a lot of information. Yeah. All right. Is there any advice you have for people out there who are gearheads and want to get involved, helping out a team, and love have a passion for that sport? Just oh, as you absolutely. Do? If you, if, even in Houston, I'm from Houston, and these there's none of these boats in Houston. There was at one time, but not anymore. And. If you are willing to volunteer and go over and work with any of these motorsport teams, they're willing to talk to you. They, 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 they would be willing to, you know, use your help. And uh, in every little community, there's always a couple of people who have drag cars or dirt track cars or something. Go over and talk to those people, and you will find out that they're more than willing to talk to you about any help that you can give them, especially if you don't want a salary. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate, we appreciate your time, Jimmy. Good luck this weekend and hope... Uh, well, thank you, David. It's always a pleasure seeing you and yeah. uh, coming to Seattle. It's one of my favorite places. Yeah. Well, and, we're uh, glad to have you out here, Jimmy. It's, it's great. The weather's absolutely superb. I mean, the weather in Texas and Houston, especially this time of year, is not real good. It's not real conducive to doing anything outside. Matter of fact, you can't stand around outside in the summer in Houston. You can't no. do that. All right. Well, we've got another race in San Diego in a month. I look forward to seeing you there. Great. All look right. forward to it, David. All right. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you, sir. It was great talking with Jimmy and hearing more about the technical side of hydroplane racing. This is a side that fans don't always get a great glimpse into. And I know a lot of fans out there that love any opportunity to learn more about what really makes a hydroplane work and work well. I hope you enjoyed part three, the finale of our Seafair special. Make sure you check back next week as our next episode will be released Tuesday the 27th at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast player, as well as rate and review your experience. For more updates on Hydroplane News, check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rooster Tail Talk is now online with our new website, www.roostertailtalk.com. On the website, you can sign up for an email subscription list to get notifications on upcoming episodes, Hydro News, podcast updates, and much more. Finally, this is a free podcast to all our listeners out there. But if you're really enjoying Rooster Tail Talk and want to help us to continue to grow and expand, please donate. You can find a link to donate through PayPal on our website under the support tab. Until next time, I hope to see you at the races.